This episode of The Dusty Allen Show wouldn't have been possible without our good friends from I Am Thirsty. Well, it still would have been possible, but they are great supporters of the show. Now, for the perfect accompaniment to your drinks or cocktails at home, check them out at iamthirsty.com.au or iamthirstyau on Instagram. You can purchase online or view the full list of their stockers on the website. Don't forget to chuck in the code THIRSTYFORDUSTY for 20% off. That's all caps, THIRSTYFORDUSTY for 20% off. Bang. On this episode of The Dusty Allen Show, I'm chatting with Aussie Ironman legend, Ali Day. At the time of recording this podcast, he was a three-time Australian Ironman champion. That's the surf life-saving kind, for those who aren't familiar. And a six-time Coolangatta gold champion. And he's since gone on to win another two, taking his total to eight, which is unrivaled in the sport and puts him in the most elite category of Ironman in Australia and the world. Aside from his success professionally, we have an engaging and inspiring chat about mental health and the injury that changed Ali's life. He shares what he did to get himself out of a dark hole mentally and the tools he uses to assist him in managing his mental health moving forward. A really wholesome, fun chat, and I challenge you to not love the bloke after this conversation. Particularly, it's not often you get to chat with blokes who actually have their face on a cereal box. It'll definitely put a smile on your face. So come on in. The water's great. And now listening to the Dusty Allen Show. Welcome to the Dusty Allen Show. Ali Day, welcome to the Dusty Allen Show. Thanks for having us, mate. I'm uh, yeah, I'm really pumped to be chatting here uh, with you today, mate. Mate, something that's always intrigued me, like you know what you do. You're an Iron Man, and not in the not in the Marvel sense, not in the the if only, though. Yeah, what's that? <laughs> I said if only though, I wouldn't oh, mind being. Um, I think you'd rock what, it. Is it Robert well. Downey Jr.? Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. mind. Yeah. I reckon you got it covered, mate. And like Ironman, what's probably like globally known is like more like the triathlons and the, you know, your Konas and your 70.3s and those sort of things. Why, like, explain, explain to me how you came into doing, like, obviously Australia, big beach culture. And I know that you've been, I think since nine years old, you got into like your surf training and, and that sort of thing. Why is like you know, two two parts here? Like I want you to sort of explain to a lot of people who maybe don't fully understand you know, Iron Man. Because for me, like for, when someone says Iron Man, the first thing I think of is Nutrigrain. Like you know, some of the like the best. And for those who don't know, Nutrigrain is like a cereal we have here in Australia, and I loved it. Guys, like if I eat this, I'm I didn't necessarily like, you know growing up. I love that. Yeah, inland country WA, not so many you know beaches or things like that. But if I eat this. I'm off to a good start. You know, obviously like, mum and dad think it's okay and whoever the blokes for, I don't know, I'm going, showing my age a bit here, but like your, your Trevor Hendy's sort of back in those sort of days, yeah. Iron Men. Why isn't, given there's so many beaches around, why isn't your particular discipline of Iron Man or surf sports, however you want it, like bigger around the world? It, it, it definitely used to be. Like you just said a name then, Trevor Hendy, he's actually the president of our surf club at Sevens Paradise and, I still, to this day, if we're flying domestically and we have a couple of times to Melbourne, to Perth, to wherever, people will still stop Trev. And he's been retired, um, 
how old's Trev? He's probably been retired maybe 25 years, and I'm at the I'm probably without town and cocky the the face or one of the the biggest faces in our sport, and the, the people will just walk straight past me and not know who <laughs> who I am. So uh, that doesn't cut me off. I'm, I'm I'm all okay with that. But it went through an era there where it was obviously extremely extreme, like like one of the biggest sports, if not the biggest sport in Australia. Think of like the big bash league now or you know, the AFL or NRL or whatever sport it is, like surf life saving and Ironman racing was huge. Um, you know, they had Uncle Toby's and, and Nutrigrain. That's right, Muesli bars. That's the one. Yeah, they yeah. had they had what's called like the serial wars back in like the, the late 90s, early 2000s. So you had these, um, these, these I guess, superstars, rock stars of, of Ironman racing that had big personalities as well and, um, had had obviously really big backing behind those two companies, so it was huge then. Um, it's definitely since I've been racing since two thousand and nine or two thousand eight. It's definitely it's been a bit of a roller coaster. I'd, I'd say it's been up and down. It's been on live TV. It hasn't. It's been on you know free to air. And um, I guess we're, I'm always hoping um, that that it's going to get back to. To, to where it was, not only for me for the next few years of, until I retire, but for the future of our sport. And um, I feel like, you know, like that's one quote Trev's always said to me, try leave this place or try leave the sport in a better place um, than what you found it. So I guess probably that's a bit of my goal at the moment is to, to make sure that, um, you know, like when people turn the TV on, um, they're, they're glued to it and, Mate, you've you've been to obviously a few of my races before. Uh, I think it was where was that race? One in Victoria, Fairhaven, Fairhaven. Yeah, yeah, freezing day. Yeah, uh, not not ideal from me. a spectator <laughs> perspective. No. Mate. Here I'm thinking it's like but, yeah, summertime beaches. It's great. You know? Yeah, yeah, but people, I'm not just saying this because I do the sport, but I've taken friends along that or, or people along sponsors that have had no idea what Ironman racing is, and I'll answer that in a sec, but. They absolutely loved it. They think, holy shit, how do you sit on a ski like that? How do you dive under waves at a six to eight foot? How do you catch waves on your board? How do you do that? It's just a very unique sort of sport where you've got to, I guess, answering the question of what an Ironman is. An Ironman starts through nippers. I mean, the, it's one of the biggest movements in Australia on the East Coast. Um, you can start at six years old. I started at eight years old or nine years old or whatever it was and you paddle little tiny foamy boards and you learn to swim and paddle in the ocean. You learn about surf safety and gradually throughout the ranks, um, you start to um, progress along the way with uh, starting to learn how to paddle a surf ski. You get a bigger fiberglass board. So there's all these little things along the way and eventually you get to the point in time where you can, uh, I guess, qualify to be a professional Ironman. So um, I classify that as being someone that can read the ocean on any given day can still go do their patrols and, and volunteer and things like that, but they can also um, go out there and do a, a swim, a board and a ski paddle in no matter what the conditions are and use a run leg to transition all those legs together to, to make up an Ironman. And I believe the guys that can do that in the professional series can, um, can do it really well. So it's a very unique sort of sport, mate. So hopefully I did it pretty, um, did it justice then answering where it was, hopefully where it's going and, and I guess like what, what makes up our sport. Have the, the triathlon things, or I feel like every every man who gets over the age of 30 or 34 is like, right, you know, stop playing competitive sport, now <laughs> I'll get into the old triathlon. Has that, has that 
come around? Like, have they sort of copied your the the name there? Like, what was around? What was around first? I'm not. To be honest, mate, I'm not 100 percent sure. I definitely, um, I definitely had teachers in high school that were like, I'd be like, I'm going to do an Ironman race on the weekend. They'd be like, Oh, so you're riding your bike and you're running. Mm. And I'm like, I just got to the point where I stopped uh, trying to explain uh, what we, what we sort of do, sort of thing, which is sad in a way because um, I'm actually really proud of proud of like our sport and what we do. And as I said before, I think it's very unique. So, um, mate, to be honest, I'm not sure where the um, who owns that that. I think they. I think when I say that, I think Triathlon own that that Ironman tag. But you mentioned before Kellogg's Nutrigrain, they're probably my longest serving sponsor. Uh, it's over a decade now, and that's that's Iron Man food. So, you know, as a kid, I was just saying, we're the same. got the flag in there, mate. Love yeah, we're, 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 we're the similar, we're similar ages. And I remember like, you know, eating it as well and having it on the back of the box and Shannon Eckstein or Zane Holmes or whoever was on the box. And they had these crazy ads where they were like, you know, just training, just like Eye of the Tiger sort of rocky Smashing stuff. It. And that yeah. Sort of, yeah, that Yeah, that sort of inspired me to be like, oh, it's Iron Man food. So, yeah. Um, I still like to think they might they might hold the name, but we've got the title or something like that. So, who you knows? a chance to be on a. Have you been on a box? Are you going to be on a box or what? Well, I have. Well, I've been on a box back in uh, two thousand. Maybe, maybe it was about six or seven years ago. They put a heap of us on one. I'm actually on the side panel at the moment. So, if you're out at Coles or Woolworths or wherever you buy your cereal from, flip the box around. You can see me. But um, yeah, hopefully I'm going to be on it. Uh, this year potentially as well, but I have been on it previously. They had the front of the uh, box. They, I was on the front of the box. Um, I should. I'll send you a photo off, mate. Maybe you can you can put it up in the um, <laughs> the show notes or something like that. Yeah. But the quote had uh, it's pretty funny. The quote was it was this really serious photo of me, and the quote was "No more Mister Nice Guy." <laughs> <laughs> mate, oh. well, I don't think I. From what I've known you, I don't think you have any. You'd not be a nice guy. One of the nicest yeah, folks I've ever yeah, met. Yeah. So yeah, the yeah. marking the apartments, but he gone pretty hard on that one. Now, yeah, it's a pretty funny story actually. They sorry to buddy mate. I know that the, no, we the, love it, love the it, big, love the big, funny yarn here. The big, do, the big dogs at um, Kellogg's at the time because I, I was really close to Trev and still am now. Trevor Hendy and they rang Trev and were like, I think we're stuffed up with Ali. Like um, we've written no more Mister Nice Guy. We've printed thousands of boxes and Trev was like. Yeah, I think you might have as well because I guess they're trying to say like nice guys don't always finish last. Nice guys can still be mm. winners, and um, yeah, it turned out turned out alright for me, mate. But it's a bit of a laugh. And um, if you go down to my parents' house, I think they bought almost every box um, at Kellogg's. <laughs> they're, still, they're still there. There's a big shrine to me in their house. So that um, every time I go down, I have a good cup of myself. Oh, mate, well, I got a little shrine back home, but it's self-built by me with like maybe yeah. two trophies and one poster I was on for some sports thing and stuff. So <laughs> now, the well, that's actually, well, it's good. I reckon that could be a, a slogan there. You know, nice guys can be winners too, mate. You know, it's, mm, uh, exactly, exactly. Now, speaking of winning, you're a two-time Nutrigrain Ironman champion. Is that right? As of, yeah, as of oh, my, I added uh, it. I added a third just recently. This Casually year, added a third. Yeah. I, knew, yeah. I knew I'd be at the mercy of like the internet doing me, me research, you mate. But yeah, yeah. six-time Cool and Gatter Gold champion. That's correct, mate. That's correct. So for those who aren't familiar with the sport, like including myself mm. as much as I should be, can you compare them to sort of some other what you call like, you know, uh, team sports or mainstream sports, like winning those, like is winning the cool and get a gold 
is that like winning an AFL grand final or like the Super Bowl or an MVP or that sort of thing? Yeah, definitely. That's a good question, mate. So like in our sport, there's four major titles. There's the Coolangatta Gold that's always at the start of the year. It's October this year. It's November because of COVID. And that's a 40-kilometer race. So that's a really iconic history race. They made a movie back in the 80s. Everyone should go and have a look at the Coolangatta Gold. It's about two brothers racing. Um, and it became a hit. That race, the race starts at Coolangatta. You race all the way up the surface paradise and back. But for those that have been on the Gold Coast, you get to race along um, the glitter strip at Surface Paradise. So it's pretty amazing. So that's one major title. The second major title is our um, our Ironman series. So you have to be, you have to qualify into that series. Um, they, they have 20, 18 to 20 guys that race in that. And that series is made up of six races. So um, you don't have to win necessarily all six races to win the series overall. But um, if you can win a couple of races and be really consistent along the way, um, that's our second major title. Our third is uh, our world title, and they're every second year. Um, the last time we did a world championship was back in Adelaide in 2018, I think it was. Um, and they're every second year, as I said. They were supposed to be in Italy this year, but because of COVID, they've sort of been postponed. And the fourth is our Australian title. So at the end of each year, we have our national championships. Anyone can go along. Um, and there's what's called, yeah, the Australian Ironman title. Um, so you have to go through heats, quarters, semis, you race the final, you've raced for five days. Um, you don't have to be a professional to line up. However, most of the professionals are in that Ironman final. Um, um, and so those four major titles are the, I guess you could call them, they're, yes, they're, they're the Super Bowl they're the, um, you know, the major a Grand league, slam sort of stuff. A grand slam. A, a grand slam would be winning all four, you know, a grand right. slam. So I've, I've been lucky enough, like, um, last year when I was, sorry, the end of the, sorry, April this year when I won my first Australian title, I ticked all the grand slams. So I've got, I've got a title in each of them. As you said, I've got a world title. I've got one world title, one Australian title, six cool and got a gold and three Ironman series. So, um, that's a really proud thing for me, Dusty. I don't, don't normally like talking about myself, um, so please tell your viewers that I'm not a cocky person. <laughs> but that's that, it was a really special feeling for me, mate, this year to um, sort of tick that last thing off. It's been something I've stri- been striving for for a long time. So um, that's kind of like those those are the four majors, and yeah, if you win those, it's kind of like um, you know if you win one major, it's like winning you know Australian Open. But obviously in our sport, it's a probably a little bit less because you're obviously just racing guys that are in our backyard here in Australia. How difficult is it to, when you sort of achieve the, the pinnacle in winning those, like to actually keep the motivation levels up to keep being at the top from like the training things? Like, is it is it out of just the fact that, you know, and I know that, you know, one of your, favorite saying no substitute for hard work so you know that's something that is innate in you and you love to do but is, is it you do because well it's kind of like my job and i have to or because you just really want to like how do you stay motivated to be at the top in a you know a very like a highly competitive sport yeah it, it definitely can be tough i think when i ticked that box last year of uh, or last season so winning aussies it was kind of like uh, i definitely wouldn't lie, I definitely thought about retiring just because um, I'd sort of I'd done everything that I'd sort of wanted to do. I was 31. Um, you know, I knew that I'd still have a couple of good years left, but 
I also know now knowing winning all those things, I know what it takes to sort of, you know, be like someone that, that, that goes to work every day that does an exceptional job. Um, there's this pressure there, obviously, no matter if you love it or you hate it. Um, and constantly doing that day in, day out can be pretty exhausting. And I think that obviously comes back to motivation. And for me, my motivation comes from a couple of different factors. One is the fact that um, I still don't think that I've perfected the Ironman race yet. So I'm doing the cooling out of gold in a, in a month's time and I feel like I can still race that better than I have before. Um, so I'm motivated by that. I'm motivated by the fact that I know that I've only got probably a handful of years left, maybe two, maybe three, I'm not sure. And I'm going to miss the feeling of feeling nervous, feeling excited, uh, having the challenges, having those days in training where they are bloody tough. Um, as, as crazy as that sounds, like there's going to be a point in time where I just physically and mentally can't keep up or can't keep doing that anymore. So I'm pretty driven by that factor too. I want to make the most um, of it while I can and also just enjoy it while I can because it's it's an incredible job. I'd never knock it, um, but I will say it does take a lot. Like the, um, you know, the time, the effort that goes into to training four disciplines um, is, is a lot. And, and I guess I hate to bring this into it, but it's like, you know, in our sport, it's not a, it's not an AFL or an NRL where you get thousand dollar contracts. It's, it's, you've got to win to earn money. Like a lot of it, a lot of the guys and the girls that you'll see race um, this year in the Ironman series or Iron Woman series, like they've got full-time jobs. They're at uni um, or they're, they're, they're having to sort of just get by, I guess. And they're, they're training upwards of like 13 to 15 times a week sort of thing. So I'm, I'm definitely, yeah, giving our sport a bit of a wrap there. It's one of the hardest sports you can do. But yeah, without without saying going too deep into it, it'd be nice sometimes to be um, not saying money helps a lot, but I guess it kind of does at the end of the day. You know what I mean? If you're signing, if Ali Day is signing a million dollar contract, it's it's pretty nice. Um, but there's also the temptation there because you know there's got to be a point in time where. I've got to start my next chapter of my life and that being work and stuff like that. So where do you sort of draw the line and go, well, I can't commit to both fully. And that really, really uh, annoys me, mate, when I can't like give my full um, potential to one thing. So I'm just trying to really hone in in the next couple of years, mate. Um, I've got a really good plan moving forward after, after that as well. So um, yeah, hopefully, mate, that answers your question anyway. No, I love it, mate. That's yeah. It, it, it's tough, and I think for there'll be a lot of athletes out there, whether it be Olympic athletes or track and field, or some who are like some of the best going around, but because their mm. sport doesn't generate the same revenue from, say, like you know, TV rights and those sort of yeah. things, you know, they don't, you know, they don't earn the same amount. Whereas they and that's that's a damn shame. And mm. the I've come across a lot of athletes in my life. I think you just you're an exceptional specimen. You're so good at what you do. It's just it just doesn't generate the same amount of money. And that's no slight on those sports who do. It's just, you know, it's oh. what the what the market will bear. And I I really like your point about the nervousness that you get before mm. competition. And I I like I've played footy, you know, country footy for 20 years. I probably talk about it in most podcasts. It's something that's extremely important to me. And, mm. you know, even though it's low level amateur footy, 
but I got nervous before every like to the point where I almost throw up before uh, yeah. before a game. And, I, and then once you got out there into it, like you got a bump or something, or I don't know if it's like yourself, if you hit the sand or you get in the water, then you kind of like settle down. And I really miss that. Like regular, I play a bit of basketball with our good mate Dan Shinners. You know, oh, yeah. shout out to Dan. Big shout out to Dan <laughs> with the D Cup. And you know, sometimes we probably got you know we tried to bring a bit of that competitiveness in there. You know, to the basketball games, but. The last time, and you you played a big role in this, that I was truly scared and nervous about doing something was the swim, the uh, mm, the Bondi yeah. to Bronte. And I was like, right, okay, I want to do something that really challenges me. Like running has always come fairly naturally. And like I, I know I could probably shuffle out a half marathon or even a marathon tomorrow. Like it wouldn't be pretty mm. and I wouldn't be able to walk for it, but I could do it. But swimming is always <laughs> something that has never come that easily to me like at the going back to school carnivals i would never really go on the normal race i just go on the running race across the pool down like the shallow end and stuff so anyway i thought who's the best swimmer i know uh, and would have the time here was i gave you a call and you said mate i'm signed up to do this swim with Liv gallop who's a who's a pretty good pretty handy swimmer herself and i said mate i just need some tips i've got a little 25 meter pooler i can bang out i can get the i can get the workload in but just need to work on some techniques and you're like mate i've got the person for you lordo down there in morty alec engine swim he goes he'll sort yeah. you out so i'm like all right sweet i'm in the right hands i go down there and he gets me in the the flume i think it's called the yeah the pool treadmill i call it and i hop in there and i reckon we were maybe so first and foremost there was some young woman, uh, she would have been like a mid-teens, whatever. She gets in, she's like flying. Like, especially her mum's there and she's probably going to be at the Olympics someday or swimming somewhere internationally. She looked great, you know, smashing it through the water. And mum was real proud. So I got, I had to share with her because I was running late to my appointment. Mm-hmm. So she'd hop in, I'd hop, I'd hop out, vice versa. And she ended up giving me a few tips in there, like a, mm-hmm. a 12-year-old girl. But then Lordo afterwards, he had a look at the footage and he just goes, mate, um, he goes, do you did you grow up like you know swimming much like in the in the near the water in the water much? And I said, nah, not really, mate. You know, he goes, I can tell, mate. He goes, you look so uncomfortable in the water. So anyway, he gave me a few few tips, you know, breathing and getting comfortable, having your face, you know, taking on a bit of water, all that sort of stuff. So we rock up mm. to the you know Bondi to Bronny swim. This is twenty nineteen, and my good mate Liv Garla, you know, she's casual as you like. You know, you know, a couple of frothies a night before, you know, and just she's, 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 she's pretty cool. Oh, and she's I'm, cool I'm like, well, I thought like throwing up. I just was scared. I thought I had me timing chip on, had me speedos on and stuff, and like this, like a lot of things to 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 digest. Like swimming in the open ocean, there's sharks and all sorts of stuff. I'm thinking about. I've got a seaweed phobia, but we can unpack that, you know, later on. Anyway, I'm <laughs> I'm on my way walking down, and Lordo walked past. He must have gone in the the sprint, whatever they had early that day. And he goes, mate, he goes, it's fucked out there. He goes, it's no good. And I'm like, <laughs> and he looked rattled. And I'm like, if he's rattled, an Olympic swimmer, I was like, I was, I thought I can still walk away. Like just walk down the beach. No one will know. And I can just say that I pulled a hammy or something. And anyway, yeah, spent a hundred bucks, had some flash ass goggles, you know, and just took me probably three minutes to get through the waves breaking and then a bit of breaststroke, you know, fluffing around, get out there and, Realize, okay, well, I'm not going to drown because there's that many blokes on in boats and skis and stuff out there. And then I kind of, well, if I get halfway, my goal was get halfway. Then the only way to get home is to go back the other way. So, and well, I bumped elbows with people, 
And I thought I stopped. It was like, oh, sorry, mate. Realizing that swimming is when you're in the water, not particularly a social sport. They didn't give a shit. They just kept going through and finally <laughs> made it round till my feet hit the ground. And it's probably the greatest feeling I've ever had on earth. You know, when my feet hit the ground after this 3.8K ocean swim. And I thought, I'm going to run up the beach like Baywatch here. You know, everyone's cheering and stuff. And this wave came and just took me out from behind. I slid up on my ass <laughs> up the beach, sand in my speedos. And then saw my friends who were swimming with and got there. And I literally had nothing left. I swallowed half the ocean and I had tears coming down my face. It was a mixture of pride, like relief, all that sort of thing. And, <laughs> yeah. And, but to this day, mate, I've never probably fully thanked you for putting me on the right track there. Cause it's one of my proudest achievements to, uh, to do that. So yeah. Yeah. Mate, to, well uh, done. It's, you, mate. It's, it's cool to hear it from, you know, cause, cause we sort of don't even blink an eyelid at it when you say like, you know, it isn't a social sport when you're out there. You're just mowing past people swimming over the top of them. Yet there is seaweed, there's jellyfish, there's sharks, there's waves, there's currents, there's the temperature. Um, and that swimming is, isn't easy, especially when Lotto says, mate, it's pretty fucked up there as well. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, mate, I love, I love hearing that sort of stuff. I think um, I personally don't do enough enough uncomfortable stuff. Um you know, where you're just completely vulnerable to whatever could happen. Mm. Um, I feel like, you know, when, when we've been on like those Lulu trips um, and, and that's obviously how we, how we met each other, they're so good at making you feel like supported and loved at the same time of making you feel like helping you feel vulnerable. Um, and I feel like that was like a really big journey I learned. Like that was probably the biggest, one of the biggest lessons or takeaways so I got from the workshops and things that we would sort of do together and that was okay you weren't going to be judged because at school um yeah swimming carnivals were the opposite for me it was like my day it was like yeah i can swim look at me i'm the best but but, but in the classroom i i was really embarrassed because it took me a while to sort of pick up things um and i felt quite I felt quite embarrassed and I felt quite um, anxious and nervous to sort of put my hand up and be wrong and look stupid sort of thing. So as I said, mate, I'm, I, um, that's a bloody awesome story. And I feel like for anyone listening at home, it's like go and try something that's just outside of your comfort zone. Be a novice, you know, be vulnerable and you, you'll be okay. It's okay to go try a Pilates class or a jiu-jitsu class or go to your local AFL club. There's, there's some bloody good people out there that would be more than happy to sort of help. Um, hey, mate, don't you reckon, mate, like at local clubs that they love that stuff. Like the thing we talk about, like getting outside your comfort zone, it's a very cliched thing that a lot of people say, like do something that sort of pushes you. And mm. like, for, like I said, for me running, like it, it gives me no fear about like, sure yeah. it might be a bit difficult, but there's the, the swimming thing was like, that was legit. It's, it really scared me, really, really mm. scared me. And the thing that made me do it is like I said to so many people, I'm going to do this. What scared mm. me more was having to tell them that I didn't have the courage to actually go through with it. Mm. And mm. for some people, it's things like public speaking or and or even like times where sometimes like you might ask out the, the girl or the guy and you don't know what's going to happen. I'm like, sometimes when you send that text, so that's that's, that's that's living because you don't know yeah. what's going to happen. We live in such yeah. a life where we control every sort of element and outcome. And mm. I really encourage people like to, that's a, a true sense of power and freedom where you just, you literally just have a crack and it can be yeah. absolutely anything. And I, I said, no, it sounds cliche, but there's, you know, 
people going out of their comfort zone. Like a good example is me mate, Dan Shinners. He's running a half marathon for the Melbourne Marathon. Mm. Mm. And I've been following along on Strava, like just seeing his, you know, five starting at 5K, he's going to build it out and stuff. And he comes, he goes, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I know he will because he's the sort of person to, when he mm. says he will do something, he'll, he'll stick to it. But getting outside your comfort zone is underrated. And I'd say that mm. to anyone, whatever it may be, if it's, you know, starting that business or whatever, like if you're not risking it, you know, you don't want to look back and go, yeah, I lived a pretty safe life, you know, like pretty, yeah, that's no. like what most people want to look back. So I had a crack, you know, I had a dip and people throw some rocks and, 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 you know, tall poppy, all that sort of stuff. But there's nothing better than that feeling when you did it, when you know in yourself, you've actually pushed yourself. It's not like yeah. you've done something that other people think is difficult, but you've actually done it yourself. Yeah. Can't, mm. can't, it's underrated in life, mate. The best, isn't it? The best. What would what would be something that would that would challenge you? And I and I I I do want to touch. I like that example where because I reckon a lot of people can relate to whether it be school, whether it be professional or personal life, where there's something that you find particularly uh, easy or comes naturally for you. It was swimming when you were younger, but there'd be other mm. kids that's you know who or young people listening to this and go, oh, what's what's my thing? And we stick to things that we're good at and make us feel. Uh, feel powerful and feel strong but then there's always everyone's got their thing where they maybe feel a bit sort of sheepish about it or they're not confident in it so what would be something that would would really stretch you do you think oh i think anything like physically like i'm okay like i think i'd always be able to hold my own mate so i wouldn't think anything like that i would say it's probably more based on like i said before like more academic stuff like sitting through um, you know, like I studied for a couple of years, then deferred. I still haven't finished my sports science degree, but to be honest, that scares the shit out of me. Like going back to uni and being, um, you know, like learning, I guess, like relearning how to, I feel like I'd be okay because I've got a good work ethic and I could, you know, I'm very process driven, but I also worry that I feel like I'm stupid sometimes, mate. So, uh, which I know isn't true, but. I feel like my my experience at school was very much like I loved it. I loved school. I wish I could go back and, and sit there with my mates and play footy at lunch times and sit on the bus with my mates and, and, and have fun. But I absolutely hated the part of uh, sitting in a classroom and seeing someone next to me just understand something so quickly. And I had to almost pretend that I understood but then go home and be like, Oh fuck! I don't know. I don't know how to do that. Do you know what I mean? And it was kind of the same at uni. That that really, um, yeah, it made me feel quite uncomfortable. So to answer your question, mate, I would one hundred percent say something that something that was new to me. Something something academic. I reckon would really sort of um, uh, turn my screws and and really um, I guess put me under the pump. But I mean, it's kind of the same now too, mate. Like with with work, I've got a gym uh, here on the Gold Coast and I do a bit of the marketing for that gym and you go into meetings for the agency that helps us run run our things and I'm sure they wouldn't mind us saying this but some of the information just goes straight over my head and, and mm. sometimes I just nod and I'll come home and tell my wife or say why'd you just nod for and I'm like I don't know I just I got nervous and I just nodded you know and I'm sure there's people out there that have either done that in some sort of um, in some sort of way yeah, as well I feel that even now in my day job, there's mm. sometimes things like, oh, I don't know what's going on here. 
and I panic because like have I either been told before and just forgotten yeah. or I just yeah. straight out like don't understand and you know thankfully you've got good people around me where I can say hey can you explain this because I one thing I have learned is it's better to speak up than to to go away and be like oh I might just work it out myself then you're up against a timeline and you're yeah and it's this thing where we 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 don't want to look silly and exactly i i read about a experiment that was done who knows how long ago where they had some people in a they got them in a room to do a test and they slowly started leaking fake smoke under a door into the room and people were still doing their test. And it wasn't actually about the test. It was about this fake smoke. And then it took probably 10 minutes or 15 minutes before someone, before the room, you know, was clearly filling up with smoke before someone got up and went and either raised the alarm or asked a question or did something. And then they, they did a survey of everyone afterwards. And they said, what was the reason why, when, at what point did you notice the smoke? And they said, you know, two minutes in or 60 seconds in. And then at what point did you want to raise the alarm? They're like, oh, five minutes in. What stopped you? And the number one reason was looking silly in front. And this yeah, is all the things where even yeah, like your life's at stake, you know, people are like, oh, I won't say anything because it might look a bit bit silly and stuff. So mm. it, 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 it happens and we, we operate in very strange ways about that, you know, in order of ways we think we're protecting ourselves or sometimes letting our other you know, fears or concerns override almost common sense thinking, you know? Mm-hmm. I think it's like, I don't know about you, mate, but when, when you were saying that, it's like that's the stuff that really sort of will get me down when I walk away from a meeting and I didn't mm. speak up or I didn't say what I thought or I didn't ask for help sort of thing. That's the sort of stuff that really gets me down or lay, lay in bed at night. Like, why didn't I just say something? And that sort of, as I said, that's the sort of stuff that, that sort of really makes me feel, yeah, just flat. Mm. Yeah, it's. I, I think we can all because I'm not being, to that. And... Yeah, because we're not being our full self. Yeah. Like, well, what are you doing then? Like, what you're not being, you're not being you. Um, but I, I get, I get it. You know, none of us want to look silly, and none of us, you know, want to be in that position where people are, you know, making fun of us. But I, I don't think it's, there's anything more inspiring than. You know, seeing people just having a crack every single day, no matter what it might be, and just putting themselves out there. I feel like, you know, you can have heroes like Michael Jordan and Kelly Slater and things like that. But, um, I mean, they're the same. They, they can continuously put themselves out there. But your everyday Joe Blow that, you, you know, I see this morning at the pool or whatever, you're like, man, he does not care what he's, what he's doing. He does not care what people think. It's like my dad, you know, like, you know, he's uh, nearly 70 and he swims and runs every day, wears whatever he wants to wear, comes to surf carnivals, loves what it loves me, loves what I'm doing. But it was years ago, I was like, Dad, don't do this. Dad, don't do that. But he just doesn't care. He mm. doesn't care what people think. And I think, yeah, like it, you just must get to a point and, and hopefully I get there soon where I'm like, you know, I get it. Not everyone's sort of going to like me or love me, but um yeah gonna have people around me that want to support me and want to sort of look after me as well so um yeah hopefully that sort of makes sense mate what i'm trying to say to just to be full self hey yeah and it's it's something i think you chip away at you don't just yeah. wake up one day and go oh, i'm gonna do this and i don't care I what don't other care. people think because yeah, there's, yeah, there's yeah. a cost to you know whether you have a family or you know people you know you've got shareholders or whatever it may be there's there's always things that will will stop you but i think it's only the individual know when that time mm. comes when it's just not worth 
living an inauthentic life as mm. opposed to the other one. And I feel like I, I gradually get better at that every day about not, I'm yeah. a big one for, I worry a lot about what other people think about what I say, what I look like. And mm. I've mentioned on previous episodes where I used to judge people who'd be wearing like sneakers and jeans, you know, mm. the, bloody, the new balance. And stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, like, what's that, that guy doing, you know, outside. And then I'm like, you know what, they must not care. Cause they just get, whereas I worry about if my socks match my shoes and stuff. Yeah, and, I'm the same, yeah, mate. yeah it's, 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 it's every silly. time I've seen you, mate, you always look good. Well, thank you, mate. I needed that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm very serious. <laughs> um, mate. Yeah. You also like, it hasn't all been, you know, cool and get a golds and, you know, cereal boxes and, and whatnot. Like you had a bit of an injury a couple of years ago, like a, a bit of a peculiar one where you, you mm. mustered up both your, your, your arms and stuff like mate tell me how how that came about what you thought when it happened because i i only found out i think through your instagram that you're like oh you know <laughs> surgery went well and that i was like shit he can't use like what what happened mate yeah yeah it's um it's a it's funny because like off the back of um you know the stuff we're just talking about i feel like the injury came off the back of me not being um myself i came off the back of me trying to impress people and trying to um, be liked and be loved by two separate parties. So in, in a nutshell, in our sport, uh, as I said before, you've got those four major titles. They tried to, Surf Life Saving Australia tried to introduce a new race um, and make it a bit more fun and exciting so that we would get a few more viewers at the beach and, and potentially boost our profiles. And the idea was to um create a race an Ironman race but in the middle of the race have another race within itself that had ninja a ninja warrior style course so you know what ninja warrior is obviously mate pretty big big show here in australia and um so when that came out there's a little outcry between the traditionalists in our sport and then also um i guess surf life saving trying to put this race on and i I could I, i could understand both parties i can understand that this one race it could really help our sport. It could boost our profile. It could, as, as I mentioned at the start, it could um, make us household names again. But on the other side of it as well, I, I, I got where the traditionalists were sort of coming from in the fact that, hey, you're putting more prize money in a race that's never been done before and you're taking away money from our other races. So there was petitions and meetings and all this sort of stuff. And, and uh, you know me quite well, mate. I like to sit on the fence and just, I'm just not that type of person that likes conflict. I don't want to speak up. I just want to do my thing, do the right thing by everyone. So here I was um, sort of agreeing on one side, but also agreeing on the other. And and I, ultimately that's where I got caught out, mate. I went along to a photo shoot. So I agreed to do the race and at that photo shoot. I unfortunately um, slipped off a set of monkey bars, something just so, um, so I guess, You'd, you'd think that would never sort of happen. Um, fell down, looked at both my wrists. They were both sort of bent the wrong way. I originally thought um, I was in shock. They put me in the car. I said to the bloke that was there, how bad is it? He said, um, mate, they're probably just dislocated. And I think I said, fuck, dislocated. I can't miss two weeks of training. But, you know, surely I've yeah. still got a gold coming up. Um, and this is in July. So I still had a fair bit of time for the gold in October. And, I mean, sure enough, I got to the hospital and, and um, you know, seeing the doctors and seeing the nurses, they 
they immediately just said, "Yep, you're going to be in surgery. You, you're going to have you're going to have to have surgery." And and uh, yeah, mate, that's probably when my world sort of came crashing down. It's probably one of the um, the best things that ever happened to me. I, I think, like in, in that sounds crazy, probably to you and to everyone listening at home, but. I went through a fucking shit time, obviously, like with two broken arms and not being able to get dressed, go to the toilet, have a shower. Um, the first couple of weeks were okay, I guess, because I had Kel there with me, but ultimately she had to go back to work and um, I was pretty alone, obviously, mate, and that's, that's obviously where I went through um, a really tough time because I was getting Ubered out to the hand service every day. I was at home um, in my own thoughts. Um, and yeah, obviously at that time, as I think we'll probably talk about, I went through like a, um, you know, obviously like a, a really dip, a big dip, sorry, the biggest dip I've ever had, obviously in my mental health and, um, yeah, obviously being a happy, healthy person, never, never sort of really understood it. Um, what that sort of meant, I'd, I'd probably be the last person I thought that would ever sort of go through it, but, um, I did and, uh, I'm still working on my mental health today, mate. So that, that event has you know in a nutshell i was i got caught out not looking after me i feel like that was the that was sort of what that the straw that broke the camel's back or broke my wrist mm. if that makes sense <laughs> but i suppose it just exactly it, it, it's the, the event that exacerbates a lot of stuff and mm. you know, sometimes it takes something like that before things are laid bare and you sort of know how you really are traveling as well and mm. you know a bit of adversity mm. thrown your way and like what were the when you talk about sort of noticing things from like a mental health perspective, what were the things you noticed where it was like, okay, I'm low? Like, was it something where someone in a conversation with someone else, or you said you're, you were with, you're alone with your own thoughts. And I think that resonates with a lot of people now in a time where a lot of people are isolated, yeah. restricted at home, that sort of thing. Was there anything that, that popped up where it was your identifiers, okay, something's not what it used to be. Something's not right. Something's not normal here. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a couple of things, mate, that I noticed. One was like, um, I'd, I'd wake up of a day and have nothing to look forward to. Um, and, you know, I had a be- I've got a beautiful house here on the Gold Coast. I live 400 meters from the beach. I've just been married. Had a, I have a great dog, Ray, a Vistula, like I'm minutes away from the park, but I was going to bed each night going, oh man what's tomorrow i don't want to you know i don't want to wake up tomorrow sort of thing and i I started noticing that um when i could sort of get out and about too mate like i noticed that um you know for instance it took me took me a couple of months to go back to the gym because i didn't want to talk about it i didn't want to be seen um i remember running into a friend the uber one day dropped me back at the beach because i wanted to see the beach um but that was like almost like a a trigger for me you know seeing the beach it was my my thing that I, that I did every day and i seen a friend there and i sort of choked up dusty like i didn't know how to to get to get my words across and i guess like i'd liken that to being a, a bit of anxiety around you know seeing people and talking about and having all these triggers and then um yeah i, I guess the, the biggest thing was my identity was gone you know like i just had a, a really successful year racing and it was sort of all pulled away from me um you know i felt just stupid i felt embarrassed um people were obviously um i felt like people were like talking about me just saying out yeah, what i can't believe that happened what an idiot why was he doing that for he should have listened to us um 
so yeah, I felt like yeah, as I said, mate, to go back to that identity point, I just had the one of the best years of my career, and now that was gone, and I was like, okay, so the people actually like me for being Ali Day, the Iron Man. Okay, well that's gone now. So what actually am I? Uh, what you know, like what do I have to my name? Like what do I have to have something to my name? Like I just there was a thousand thoughts, mate, running through my head, and um, that's sort of like the the three biggest things I noticed like the my identity was gone I was not excited about waking up every day and I guess I was anxious and nervous to sort of want to leave the house or see anyone yeah that's mm. that's powerful mate and I, I I appreciate you sharing that and it's oh, I love sharing it hey because hopefully it helps other people you know I think it does like and it doesn't matter whether you said Iron Man career person rich famous whatever we all attach an identity to something when something is is changed in such a, a drastic way we let mm. that little inner critic inside go oh well you know people only like you because you you know you drive this car or you have this job or you you do this and mm. really start your mind goes to places where it probably doesn't really serve you and especially when you've got a lot of time i, I reckon it's just time by yourself to think about stuff and your mind goes to places where you you probably well initially I thought you don't want to go and now when you, you telling me that I think get, sometimes getting used to a bit of discomfort in life is not a bad thing because it mm. makes you sort of appreciate what you've got and go well you know those thoughts do come from time to time where you and it's mm. not like we should just okay we'll get rid of them I'm gonna and I think a lot of people face that now because there have been times by themselves, you know, working from home, cut off from family and friends, where we have a lot of time to think about a lot, to look essentially look at ourselves in the mirror. And sometimes we don't necessarily like what we see. And we normally have socializing, traveling, all sorts of things that we can distract from that sort of stuff. So it might be like oh, true. some people it's to drink, some people it's drugs you know whatever it mm. may be and when we don't have that we're left to think oh well what is you know who am i what am i doing where am i going the big existential stuff and what was what was your path in working through that did you find was it something you discovered yourself or were you did you sort of reach out to anyone for help or did anyone reach out to you yeah i, I definitely had a, a fair bit of support around me from you know, from coaches to sponsors to friends to to all those sort of things. But ultimately, at the end of the day, I I, I figured out that it was like it was going to come from me. Like nothing was going to make me. I had to, like you said before, it's very uncomfortable for any of us to sit with our own thoughts for a night or ten minutes. Where, as you said, we've got so many distractions. Like it's like jump on Instagram, let's go to the footy, let's catch up, and we we make ourselves so busy that. Thinking about those sorts is quite, um, it's bloody hard, isn't it, mate? I'm sure you've done a lot of work on it as well. And um, I had a couple of days there, mate, where, you know, I just like obviously just lost it, you know, like um, wanted to punch a hole in the wall, wanted to drive my car into a brick wall, wanted, um, you know, I was having some really, really fucking just crap thoughts, I guess. And um, it got to the point where uh, my wife said, oh, I think you should, I think you should maybe see someone. So I started seeing a guy here on, on the Gold Coast and did a few sessions with him and he was great, but we are uh, we, we kind of just didn't really, I guess, click. It wasn't seemed to 
wasn't seeing this sort of help. And so I stopped that for a while and sort of went back downhill again and was sort of just lost. And so it's almost like a start of the journey, but then got out of it. Uh, mm. I broke up with my therapist sort of thing in a way. <laughs> I've done really that, bad. mate. I've, I've been there. Yeah. Oh, you've been there? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. yeah, I called up and said, oh, no, I'm all good now, which obviously <laughs> I wasn't. I was not good at all. Uh, they probably get that all the time. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's not you, yeah. it's me. They're like, no yeah, shit, exactly. that's why we're here. It's yeah. the, old, uh, the old George Costanza thing, if you watch time for it. It's not you, it's me, you know what I mean? Yep. So, um, but I used the lady back in 2014. I'd had a year off then after a few injuries and illness and things like that. Definitely not as bad as what I'd just been through. And I reached out to her and she was kind of like, um, I guess that, I don't know, it was a Friday night. I was driving, like I was just able to start driving again, I think after three or four months. And I um, got her number. We hadn't spoken in years and I reached out to her. And that was kind of like a, how do you say it? it's like the last phone call sort of thing it's like who do i what do i do um what do i do here sort of thing why am i feeling like this and i think i yeah, called her and we spoke for half an hour or so on the phone and then um i was able to start driving as i mentioned before dusty and i started driving up the sunshine coast to see her every friday and i think i did that for maybe a couple of months um and this is mind you back in 2019 and obviously we're almost at the end of you know 21 and i'm still seeing her um you know actually seeing her on wednesday so it's it's one of those things that you know mental health you don't just you know just finish like i think it's mm. i think i thought that at the start i think i thought that oh you've got me healthy and better but i'm not going to have those thoughts again i still have triggers about what happened to my my incident um to this day um so She's been great. She's the, the, I think, you know, along with Kel, like probably been the biggest thing that's helped me get over, um, yeah, everything I went through. I think those first four sessions I had there, I was, um, they were like two to three hour sessions and it just felt nice to talk to someone that was so neutral and could, mm. was just patient and listened and they, they didn't have like an agenda of like, you should do this or you should do that. And I think anyone that's probably seen a good therapist is like that and, um, I, I broke down so many times, mate, like talking to her because it was like, what am I going to do? Where's my identity sort of thing? So we went through a lot of stages of like the grief and how to sort of get out of it and what we we're going to do. And mm. um, ultimately she, she turned, she saved my life, mate. Uh, it wasn't just my career. I didn't give a fuck about it. If I was going to be an Ironman again, it was more just mm. like, can you just please like help me be happy again? Um, yeah. And I guess, yeah, I guess I get a bit emotional about saying that because um, I never thought that that would be me at, at high school that, that would um, not be not happy or not be not grateful or not mm. um, have things to look forward to. So, yeah, mate, she helped heaps, family helped heaps. And the other big driving factor was um, driving up to one of the, I think it was the first or the second time I saw Lisa, I listened to a podcast by Hugh Van Kallenberg yep. um, from the Resilience Project. And that sort of stuck with me. Um, I bought a few of his diaries and um, I think I'm up to day, day. I've been journaling every day since I'm up to like day 600 um, and something now and just practicing his three principles of gratitude, empathy and mindfulness. So mm. between Lisa, between the diary, between the constant workout and sessions I still do with Lisa, that's kind of like what I did to sort of... Um, I think that was the question you were asking, you know, that's sort of what I did to sort of yeah. 
um, help myself out of it. It's fascinating how we look at mental health compared to physiological health, like they're two things that are poles apart. And mm. like you at times when sometimes you don't know that you're maybe not okay, like that's the first mm. thing, like it's a pretty difficult thing to self-diagnose if you're, if you're not, not sort of, you know, flying. And I've been lucky enough through the work that I've had, the people that I know that I've got a, a vast network of people I can learn from, take inspiration from, but there's, times and i've been flat been low mm. i don't know if it's if, if it's if i've been depressed or not but it can be so lonely when you've got all these things around you and you still don't feel like there's anyone you can talk to or anyone who would particularly yeah, understand and that's where i think a therapist is amazing because you've got that sure they're getting paid to listen to you but they're neutral you know they don't bring any judgments or preconceived ideas and it's like if someone mm. has a, a dodgy back or a sore neck or that thing you go see someone or you got a bit of a sniffle yeah. you go see a doctor you go see a, a physio whereas if we're like oh i'm a bit flat today we think oh she'll be right i'll go and self-medicate yeah, so, or i'll go and you know and we just so we look bad, at it so it, differently hey? and it oh that's only mm. something that's been a realization to me in the the last you know, probably five years where it's been, I've been really focused on my mental health and then also checking in on other people. And mm. the, the one thing you find is like every, like I also used to get triggered by things like, are you okay day? And everyone's putting up these things going, yeah, you know, like, and that's all great. But then when it comes down to it, sometimes people won't pick up the phone. They won't send no. that message. Or if someone says, like, prior to recording today, you said, hey, mate, how are you going? And I said, well, I'm a bit of this, bit of that, you know, and I really yeah. tell people now. And I, when mm. I ask, that's the things that I want to know. And there's so many little throwaway lines that we have that we don't do. And I'm passionate about little and often. So how are you going? Mm. Oh, I'm a bit flat. Oh, that's no good. And then don't just mm. go, oh, I'm having a, a shit one. Oh, yeah, but how about the Swannies on the weekend day? Eh? Like we, that's what, <laughs> yeah. particularly men, that's what we do. We go, oh, having a bad time. Oh, boo-hoo, that's no good. Let's change the subject and talk about stuff yeah. that makes us happy instead of digging into it. And everyone, I feel, is there for someone when they, they have a, 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 a breakdown or a significant incident. But sometimes I, I believe the little check-ins are the most important ones as opposed to, you know, if someone goes, doesn't respond to your call for three days and you go around and say, oh, I was feeling sad. There's, you know, a fair bit to unpack there. And I stress I'm no mental health expert or, you know, trained in that sort of stuff, but you, I'm as qualified as you are because we're humans. We live on this earth. We experience things and we mm. all have the ups and downs. So I think everyone's got something to learn as well as something to offer in the, the mental health space. Oh, 100%. Yeah, it's like you hit the nail on the head. It's like you go see a physio. It blows my mind. Like when you've got a short, sore leg or shoulder or ankle. But, you know, we've got this amazing thing up here that, that literally, you know, it's like does everything for us. Um, and it takes maybe five, ten minutes a day. We don't do any work on it. Like no one does. Not no one. I just mean like, yeah, um, it's, it, it spins, spins me out that it's like that's the first thing that we won't do. It's like, yes. no, 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 I'll, I'll go eat first and then I'll go train and then I'll do all these things. But uh, mindfulness today, fuck, I don't know about that. Hey, mm. you know, that's going to, 
that's not going to be good for me. <laughs> so oh, and, and it impacts I'll all those think. other things because if we're not, exactly. you know, we're not looking after ourselves mentally and it's like, oh, maybe I won't eat or maybe I'll eat too much or maybe yeah, I won't yeah, go yeah. exercise or I'll over-exercise mm. and stuff. Yeah, it's mm. going to take a while to change. And when I say change, that that the mentality of the fact that it's as important as anything that you do on a on a regular basis. The most, I think, you know, for mm. anyone. Um, well, not for anyone, but for me, probably for you and for most people, I think it is. Yep, I think so. And I, I, I've seen, you know, I mentioned it before that, you know, there's your best advice you've been given is that there's no substitute for hard work. And I, I remember one of my good mates, Timmy Stewart, is he had a little uh, in Perth, he had a little motivation board where people just come around and write little motivational things on this whiteboard. So okay. just like little quotes. And I, I can't claim this one. I heard it somewhere, but I love it. Um, which was, there's no I in team, but there's five in individual brilliance. You know? So mm. you know, there's, that, there was the one that reminded me of yourself is um, something around that's like good work, uh, ain't cheap and cheap work ain't good mm. and the that leads me to asking like what are some of your core values you know things that you you know is there two or three things that you you live by those sort of things yeah definitely i think you know when you say that i think yeah, like a lot i do love still love that quote and I've got a lot of quotes that I love. Like I, I really love, I just read a book called It Takes What It Takes. And I also really like that because it resonates with my background of where I've had to get to mm. to where I am today. It's, it's at the hard work. So that would definitely be one of my core values. Um, I think that will stay the same the whole way through. Um, I think obviously like that, 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 I love that, that, loving caring kindness sort of thing to to be shone through like all of like that's probably the, the main thing for me um just you know showing people um i guess love care respect giving people time having conversations checking in with people so that's not sure what that sort of falls under mate that's that's probably another one um and i guess the last one would maybe be just that almost that, that loyalty, I guess, of being a, just being a good, good, just trying to be a good person. I mean, it's, you know, I know now that after being injured, it's not Ali Day, the Iron Man, it's just me. Mm. Um, and I'm far more happier when I'm doing those things and giving my time to people. Like, I'm loving doing this today. There's a couple of young boys in my surf club last week. They've just moved up. One's from Victoria, one's from New South Wales bought them a little birthday present, something really small that had a greater impact on me than, you know, um, you know, than, than winning a race, not winning a race, but like it's, it's, they're the same thing, aren't they? Um, so like that, that genuine care for people, I think um, for me is, is, is one thing that I really want to sort of, not that I need to work and I think it's already there, but yeah, I pride myself on to make sure that I'm just there looking after others, mate. So I know I'd probably named a few different sort of core mm. values there, but um, yeah, you, you get the gist. Well, mate, it's interesting you say that because on my little notes here of things I wanted to sort of, you know, cover off today, and we've done most of it, 
is mm. I just had written down good bloke because that's what I, I when I think of you know good blokes like your I reckon your pictures in the uh, you know in the encyclopedia under that sort of stuff. And, yours, mate. Yeah. You know, well, well, thank you, mate. And it leads me to the point of saying like I think I, I, I we know we've discussed like I like to be liked by people and stuff, but I have a genuine and it's taken me a long time to get there genuine enthusiasm for seeing other people succeed, other people mm. kicking ass at stuff. And when you were saying about the young guys who you know moved up you know to your surf club. You know, you've you've touched on. You've got to look after number one first. You know, you've got to be, mm. you know, love yourself and you know, consider of yourself. Is it something that you think about? Like I know we don't get them go. Oh, I'm going to be a good bloke today because it's just something that you do. It's like often like automatic. But are there ever times where you think you have sort of like tough decisions to make and you lean back onto those core values and go, you know what, I'm going to be compassionate. I'm going to, you know, show love and and loyalty. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. There is. I think. It starts with that self-compassion to yourself because if you can't obviously can't give, give that to yourself, you can't give anything to others. And so I'm trying to be a lot more aware of being kind to myself and doing things for myself and just not beating myself up so much, mate. But, yeah, it's okay that you ate that and it's okay that you didn't train that well here yeah. and it's okay that you thought this and it's okay that you did these things, but try to learn from them. So that's one area. The other area, definitely, in, in our sport, for example, those young kids that, that come up and for the people that I train with in race, we're an individual sport, so we, I want to win. You know, I'm very competitive um, when I've got that white line fever. Yeah. But I'm also aware that it's like, hey, you can be there to look after these kids and you can be a really good role model and you can ask them how they're going and, you can be that sort of person within the squad so or within our sort of club. So it, it's not manufactured. I definitely mm. have days where it is just about me, um, but I'm trying more often than not to just sort of like be aware of like, hey, he or she uh, I think would really appreciate if I just went over and spent five minutes with them and just talked mm. to them uh, yep. because – that, that might really pick their day up. Do you know what I mean? So um, it can be as simple as you said before, mate. Hey, how's a lot of the kids that, that train with us are interstate kids so their parents are in lockdown. And that, that's hard for a 19-year-old that's away from, from their mum and dad, I, I, I believe. And so it's it's just asking those questions and being there for them. But I think that starts from, as I said, being being kind, so showing sorry, self-compassion to yourself and then also just being aware like when you're like, Oh, I am being a bit negative towards that person. Why am I doing mm. that for? Where, where is that coming from? You know, yeah. and that's the other thing that gets me down. I guess, mate. It's like, oh, it's been a bit of a shit human there, but don't beat yourself up about it. Learn from it the next time, and and um, take it in your stride for the for the next time that sort of situation comes up. So I think I think it just comes back to that awareness, doesn't it, mm. mate? Well, on that, what advice would you give to? Like to anyone, I was going to say like a young person, or but like what's some advice you'd give, you know, some life advice, if you will. And I know you're a humble man and you're not the sort of person who would sound like, oh, I think that we should do X, Y, and Z. But I've asked you the question that here's a platform. Like what would be some advice you would give, life advice from uh, from Ali Day? I think um, yeah, a couple of things. Let's see where this goes, mate. <laughs> I, think, I think purpose is a big thing. I really believe that. I see that in so many different realms. I, I've got my purpose. Um, I see my dad when he's coaching, he's got his purpose. I see my brother, he's got his purpose. I see you 
you've got your purpose. We talk about our good mate, Dan Shin, as I see he's got his purpose. So I feel like us as humans, we need that. Um, so I feel like finding something that you really love doing, you know, like really, really love doing that. That's your thing. I feel like that's a bit of advice I'd give. Um, and I would say, like we were just talking about before, just be patient. Nothing has to happen this year, tomorrow, dying for a deadline. Don't put yourself under that strain. Um, I'm talking, I'm almost giving myself life advice. <laughs> I, feel like, <laughs> I feel like these are the things I need to start doing. But being patient and then also just enjoying the, the, the little things, enjoying the little wins, you know, along the way. I feel like for me and for a lot of people, I don't think we, we're very... Sweet, tick the box. What's the next thing? What's the next thing? Sweet, I'm not going to be happy until I get here. It's like, well, you're never going to be happy. So it's it's a journey. Enjoy those little things along the way. And um, yeah, it's like, it's almost like I should have just said YOLO, you know what I mean? Like, it's almost yep. like, it's true, you know, like that's so stupid and cliche, but it honestly is. Um, you see people you know, hold those signs up, these old people in retirement homes and they're giving advice out. That's like, well, fuck, have a purpose, have have mates and enjoy whatever you're doing, hey, because it's 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 gonna go like that. And um yeah, you may as well I think go out saying, Fuck, I, I really did enjoy myself, hey. And that and that doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean going out on the weekend and drinking and doing drugs or whatever it might be, but it might be as well. You know what I mean? Mm. And Whatever you enjoy doing, go and do it. And um, I feel like you and I know what we're doing. Uh, we, you know, we're very similar in so many ways. So um, yeah, sorry, mate. I don't, I don't know. How, no, how that that's sounded, perfect. But that's all right, eh? Mate, I'm I'm feeling. I got inspired. Just I'm taking some like mental notes. I'm like, yes. I'm like, yeah. Be you know, be patient and get out there. And there's definitely days where I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. But just an acceptance yeah. of that because I think everyone has elements of that as well. You know, so many people out there are winging it and they, when you mentioned before, like, oh, if you have an interaction with a person, it maybe wasn't a good one or it was a bit bit off or something doesn't go right. There's generally a reason. Like there's, I yeah. say this a lot as well. I don't think there's many people who get up every day and go, yep, I want to try and piss off as many people as I can today. You know, there's yeah. always a, and one yeah. of my core values is connection. Sometimes when you dig in and you have a bit of a chat with someone, you know, uh, is it vulnerability multiplied by time spent equals connection? You know, you share a bit with someone and just everyone's got a story. And if you just take a bit of time to chat to someone, even if you don't know them, it can make them feel like they they matter a bit. Yeah, they've and heard, they've been heard. Yeah, yep, it's one of the, the human needs that we need is to feel, you know, connection. connected to someone or something, you know. And yeah, mm-hmm. no, I, I think that's great, mate. And they're very, very wise words. And What's what's next for you? Where what's the what's something that you're really looking forward to in the next six, twelve, eighteen months? Uh, yeah, good question, mate. I think I'm looking forward to working on myself, like with those three things that we just spoke about. Um, mm. Enjoying myself, trying to be patient, and um, yeah, having those connections with people. I know that's not. I'm not saying like I'm looking forward to winning this race or doing this competition or training. It's more like I'm looking forward to, to almost slowing down a little bit and enjoying those those little things along the way. Um, but in terms of like other things, I think you know I'm I'm really looking forward to trying having that great balance between um, 
racing as well as, you know, trying to make our business as great as it can be. Um, we've also got a, a moisturiser, a men's moisturiser coming out um, very soon called The Gentleman. And um, myself, Bartsy, met my business partner yeah. and both our partners are, are in on that. And those guys have done a hell of a lot of work. Um, I've sort of just been in the background, obviously, but... Oh, um, surely not. Really, you're looking good, mate. Is that why you're looking so good? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll send it... you some up, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, well, that's been really... That's been really cool um, watching the process of, of those guys do that. And, um, as I said before, it's all, not all of it, but a lot of it is based around um, men's mental health. Um, we've got a 30-day challenge, so you can take the challenge on, and it's just really simple things that help a guy um, or a bloke with his routine every day. Um, so we're trying to really, you know, I guess the moisturizer goes hand in hand with it. Hey, like not many guys probably use it. I don't know, do you, Dusty, do you moisturize? It's funnily enough, mate, I have started doing a lot of it uh, in probably the last month. And awesome. Because the older I get, it's like, oh, a few wrinkles here and there and stuff. And so, mm. and this is like all over the body. So I get out of the shower because I've been, and because I, I know I don't drink there enough water. And yeah. so I, which I'm working on as well, moisturize like all over on the face and stuff because some good advice I got from a, a uh, an old colleague of mine, John Duell. Like he looked a lot younger than he was. And I said, what's your secret, mate? He goes, moisturize. He goes, get no in there and no, oh no, I don't think he was. No, no, <laughs> both characters. Um, yeah, I was gonna say, and, no, I'm talking about that. Yeah, <laughs> but I'd say, mate, seriously, because you're looking good. Because for someone who spends a lot of time in the sun, you know, you could be looking three to four to five years older, mate, but you're looking quite youthful there. So you're hasn't, doing something hasn't, right. Hasn't hit me yet, mate. Hasn't hit me. I reckon retirement's gonna, um, <laughs> so that, that's why I'm cashing in now, mate, trying to, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm overusing the moisturizer at the moment. So, but no, that that's one thing that I'm looking forward to, like that next chapter, I guess, like where, who knows, it's kind of exciting. Like I'm 31 now. I had an incredible year last year. It's going to be really intriguing um, to see how I go this year and sort of, you know, having another conversation, I guess, in like six, 12 months time and being like, oh, will I be retired? Will I be doing this? Where will I be living sort of thing? So I'm really open to you know, whatever sort of comes my way, but I'm also, you know, I'm, I'm setting goals, but I'm also trying to just slow down and make sure I, you know, I guess what's that quote, smell the, smell the roses. Smell the roses, roses, something like that. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, mate, I appreciate you stopping by to smell the roses on the Dusty Allen show. Um, Love it. I'm stoked, stoked to, to have you on, mate. And this is, this has really charged my batteries, this conversation. I hope, you know, those listening, they get a bit out of it uh, as well, mate. So wanted to uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Mate, it's, um, it's been a pleasure. I feel like uh, when I speak to you, it always, as you said, it always recharges my batteries. I feel like we could just keep talking. Um, yep. Hopefully the next time we, I come back on the show, we're doing it in person um, somewhere somewhere, you know, on the, on the Gold Coast here by a pool or yep. something like that, mate, just relaxing and, and talking about, um, yeah, life and stuff like that, mate. But I really, really, really appreciate it, Dusty, and um, yeah, hopefully everyone gets a little bit out of um, our conversation today. I think they will, mate. Uh, really appreciate your time, and uh, I'll see you when I'm looking at you. Cheers, mate.